Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America. And every time we are here to warn the nation from a biblical perspective and help you respond in faith. We want to respond full of faith and see God make a difference in our lives, our families, our nation. So uh, thanks for joining us and, and helping me with today's topic, which is really a deep, expansive, troubling topic, uh, Marxism in America. I have Dave Brody coming in from the Middle East one more time. How is life in the Middle East, Dave? It's getting cooler. The weather is getting more decent now. Is there basically like sand dunes everywhere? Or what What's it like over there where you are? Well, I'm in, I'm in the city, but it's uh, or the town at least, but it's uh, it's just very dry. So kind of dusty and dry, almost desert type uh, climate. Okay. Well, thanks for serving the Lord over there, and I also want to thank you for keeping your eye on America. Um, I, that's one thing I've always appreciated about you, Dave, is that you kind of understand this whole Bible thing and what's going on in the news and uh, what implications for us as believers. So, Dave, it's great to have you back. Thank you. Well, Dave, not only on this topic, but um, it seems like so many things. In, in terms of problems, America is the gift that keeps on giving. And so here we are. I can't imagine sharing this you know, even a few years ago in terms of just the specifics on this topic of Marxism in America. But here we go. I, I do want to say, just by way of introduction, that I am grateful that I think the body of Christ is getting this more and more. Uh, very prominent figure, Dr. David Jeremiah, pastor, author, radio host. He, um, I mean, he just recently was teaching about Marxism in America. And even from non-Christian sources like um, like Mark Levin of, of Life, Liberty, and Levin, uh, his show. And he wrote a book called American Marxism. And so, you know, we're getting, this topic is getting out there and uh, a little bit more. But nevertheless, I, again, I feel like as Christians, we're probably not understanding uh, the implications for us and why we need to talk about this. Uh, this is, it's vital. And let me just kind of cut to the chase here, and we're going to get to more specifics and examples in America here in a little bit, but that we're, it's not that here as Christians we're wandering into the political realm and something that's really not our domain. I mean, really, uh, this is an antichrist philosophy. At its very nature, we're talking about biblical things, and I can't help uh, to to summarize Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, you know, who wrote Gulag Archipelago. And he's the Russian dissident and became famous for exposing all the atrocities under communism in, in Russia. But he said he looked at everything that was going on as fundamentally spiritual. What a great lesson for us today that we need to be looking at everything that's going on in America as fundamentally spiritual. And actually, most things we see on the news, it, they are talked about in the Bible. So it's not us wandering into to, uh, right. inappropriate political realm or something that we shouldn't do as Christians. It's actually us looking at what is going on in terms of a great spiritual battle between good and evil. Yeah, if you look at Marxism at its very roots, Karl Marx once said that uh, the object of my life is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. So the two in Marxism are very much together. 
Right. So if somebody's trying to dethrone what the church is about, the the God's people, if he's trying to dethrone that, destroy that, as believers, we should be aware of what's going on. And what's really troubling related to the podcast today is that um, it's happening right here. And so, um, you know, I, I just have to back up a little bit here, though, since we're talking about um, Karl Marx, um, who lived in the 1800s. And he uh, he said some really troubling things, especially in his some of the poetry that he, he wrote. And so oh, it yeah. very much lines up with what you just said. And let me, let me read this uh, briefly. Um, but this comes from a book by Paul Kengor called The Devil and Karl Marx. And he quotes this, this, uh, this uh, poem, and it says, Thus heaven I forfeited, I know it full well. My soul, once true to God, is chosen for hell. Like, can you believe that this is Karl Marx, his own pen? He wrote this. And, and then he goes on in another poem called The Player. He says, Look now, my blood-dark sword shall stab unerringly within my soul. God neither knows nor honors art. The hellish vapors rise and fill the brain. So he's basically saying he's demonically inspired from hell with his philosophy. He goes on to say, Till I go mad and my heart is utterly changed. See this sword. The prince of darkness sold it to me. The prince of darkness, Satan himself. For he beats the time and gives the signs. Ever more boldly, I play with the dance of death. And then uh, Paul Kangor makes this this, uh, observation. He says, what more was communism but kind of a dance of death? The last line of that poem where where Marx says, ever more boldly, I play the dance of death. What more was communism but a dance of death? I mean, you can't find any ideology in all of history that was responsible for as many deaths as communism, at least 100 million in the last century alone. 100 million deaths. So, you know, I'm not sure as Christians we understand what's happening. So when this ideology starts to manifest in many areas of our culture, I'm not sure that we're detecting how... A, diabolical it is, but B, how destructive this is going to be for our nation. Right. Yeah. I think often people don't see the Marxism that's behind some of the stuff that's going on, too. Yeah. So we're, we're going to get to that in a moment, but I, I just really got to set the table here in terms of I actually believe this is connected to the end time scenario, meaning right before Jesus' return. And, um, you know, we're not going to guess dates or get too specific on the time framework here, but let me share this. There is a fourth beast in Daniel chapter 7, and and Daniel described it in his vision as a terrifying beast. It's different from all the empires he saw, meaning the first three beasts. It's different. He says it three times. It was different. So how in the world was this thing different? Well, in Daniel 7, it's clear that it's a global situation before Jesus' return, and this same beast is talked about by John in Revelation chapter 13. The beast that comes out of the sea is how that chapter begins. The sea of humanity is what it's talking about, the chaotic world we live in. That's the sea, the metaphor of the sea, and it comes forth. Now, I don't think Marxism is the complete picture of that beast, but I think it's a 
a key aspect of it. Uh, it could be even one of the primary aspects of this beast in Revelation chapter 13. Um, now, it goes from the beast of the sea in the first half of Revelation 13 to the uh, beast that comes out of the earth in the last half of Revelation 13. And these two beasts are both satanically engineered, and they have interplay with each other. Uh, people can read for themselves, but it's talking about how before Jesus returns, the whole earth is engulfed in this. And I believe that we're not only talking about Marxism, Marxism in America today. Yes, we are, and that's our primary focus, but it's actually a global situation that it's advancing forth. In other podcasts, we've talked about globalism. There's a lot of things moving us in that direction, um, economically and uh, uh, politically even, but other ways. But the point is, right. is I believe we're beginning to see, or maybe not beginning, maybe it's fairly developed, but the emergence of the fourth beast in Daniel 7. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I, I see part of the mix being Marxism in the mix and globalism in the mix. Yes. So, um, so yeah, I think the scriptures do make it clear this is a global situation and globalism. We need, need look no further and quoted this before, so I'm not going to get into it today. But the Great, great Reset by Klaus Schwab, who is the uh, founder and director of the World Economic Forum. And so we got these world organizations and different things going on. Um, some of it right out in the open, some of it can be left for conjecture, but nevertheless, uh, very much lines up with the Bible, because in the Revelation 13 explanation of the beast, it actually talks about how, how every nation, tribe, and language is affected by the beast that comes out of the sea, uh, the same beast as uh, Daniel chapter 7. So, um, it's super important we're talking about this as Christians. I think everybody should be alerted to this. Uh, and we need to know what is uh, unfolding in our very day and hour. Now, to really begin, uh, we, uh, we need to highlight, like, okay, why um, communism, and there's aspects of it where you kind of get a tone of, it's people helping people, and in Karl Marx's own words, you want the working class to rise up against this bourgeoisie, in other words, the landowners, the ones running the businesses, making all the money in today's vernacular. But So we got this tension here, and, and the, the workers rise up with a, a, a violent overthrow of the bourgeoisie, the, the landowners and the wealthy. Well, anyway, some people have said, hey, this is a good thing. It's reflected in the book of Acts. You know, we've got... Uh, uh, you know, the body of believers working together. We don't want all this. Uh, so, like, why, um, w at the heart of this, why why can we say that actually Marxism is completely um, the opposite of what we're reading in the book of Acts? Yeah, I know some, some, uh, some Christians would look at that bit in Acts 2 where the believers are all sharing things in common and think, well, why can't we do this everywhere? But one big aspect is that was voluntary. That was their hearts were moved to do that in a very strong, supernatural, uh, wonderful way. And mm -hmm. generosity certainly is not uh, <laughs> unbiblical, but socialism or communism is much different because it's forced. It's, it's not people giving out of their own hearts, but rather it's the government taking. Yes. Um, and I'm, I feel like we don't really get this, even when we're listening to 
uh, our politicians today, they can use what sounds like almost like biblical vernacular, okay? Right. But, but it's actually saying we're going to create this without God. And if you read Marx, he looked at religion as the opiate of the people. Marxism and its two expressions today, socialism and communism— it's absolutely anti-God at the core. And you already talked about dethroning God. We should know this, but I don't think we are uh, detecting it or discerning it within our culture and what's actually going on here. This is not about helping each other. This is about trying to create a system where you have 100% removed God. You might be trying to do a couple things. Uh, most of the things are anti-biblical, actually, but you might try to do a couple things to make it sound good, um, but at the core, you're doing it without God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you look at the one example I like to use in the Bible where man did this and decided not to trust in God, but to trust in government is when Israel asked Saul, uh, uh, Samuel for a king because they wanted to trust in this king and this strong army to win their victories. And of course, he said he, he rebuked the people, saying, "You're trusting in man and not in God." And and but I, I want to read this part from First Samuel eight, uh, from eleven down to seventeen, where Samuel says, "This is what's going to happen if you have a king." He said, "He said this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with, with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his horses." Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and give it, give and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and the donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. And really a modern equivalent of that would say, hey, you want the government to take care of everything? Well, realize that for every dollar they give you, they have to take a dollar fifty realize they're going to tax you heavily. They're going to run up massive debt, and that's going to result in massive inflation, which is another way of indirect taxation. They're going to regulate you. They're going to get into useless wars. They're going to be watching you, and yet people want to trust in government. And, you know, it, it goes back to that old Ronald Reagan saying, never trust the words, hello, I'm the government, and I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah, it's always for you. We're here to help you. It's for your own good. We need to yeah. quit this. I think in America, we are so naive to how our government can go completely off the rails. And I would say there's a segment of our government that's actually not just off the rails, like mistakenly, we, we drove into the ditch, but they're actually actively seeking Marxism. You know, so again, deeply biblical, uh, souls and eats, and again, saying it's spiritual. I do want to highlight something because I think it can help us to um, to detect what's going on in America today, and that is you don't often hear people stand up and say, I'm a Marxist. But for example, uh, Bernie Sanders will say, I, I am a card-carrying socialist, and there's others like this that will, in so many words, use the word socialism. 
we can't miss is socialism is Marxism. They don't want to use that word, as Mark Levin writes in his book, um, uh, American Marxism. Uh, they don't use that word. They use all these other phrases. It can, um, it can be, uh, obviously, a, a socialist would be one way of putting it, but there's also like uh, community organizers at the heart of that whole uh, movement and phrase is Marxism. And uh, progressives or pro- progressivism, doesn't that sound great? Again, all of these terms are Marxism, and the body of Christ needs to wake up to this. Yeah, people, people forget that the USSR was the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Right. And, and I think the other thing that's been a little bit deceptive here for most Americans is when you retire, you're looking for getting your social security. Now, we could get in a debate right. on that, uh, whether it's good or bad, but it's nevertheless, it's part of socialism in the sense of that government wants to take care of everyone in this, in this schematic. So let's just talk here about how um, we're seeing Marxism manifest here. Now, I, I want to be clear as we jump into these uh, specific examples that it's hard to say, like, is this this clandestine group of people and they're all coordinated and all figuring it out and therefore this, this Marxist surge in America is highly organized? Or is it on the other end of the spectrum of we just have sinful people, we're without God, America's more and more rebelled against God, and this is just kind of what unfolds and this is kind of what happens. Um, I don't have an answer to that, but what we can answer today on this podcast is that this is what's happening. It's certainly an environment that causes Marxism to flourish, and so whether they're surprised about these things we're going to talk about or, or they helped orchestrate what we're going to talk about, either way, it doesn't matter. It, it's here, and we got to start to, yeah, start to address on, this. Yeah, Stan Monteith, um, uh, who was a Christian radio host on the West Coast, he used to call it the Brotherhood of Darkness. In other words, there's no one person plotting and being the coordinator of all the stuff that's going on, but there is a brotherhood, and certainly Marxism is part of it. Absolutely. And if we can say there's one person in charge of it, I think we already uh, identified that here just a few minutes ago, and that is Satan himself is the one that would want to dethrone God. He'd want to do the things that Marx wrote about Okay, so Dave, one of the things that I feel like has really been fortuitous for a Marxist is fundamentally the breakup of the family, the, the nuclear family being dissolved, attacked, uh, uh, yeah, really under attack, and America is totally different because of the breakup of the family. And so, like, how do you connect that even to Marxism? Like, how does this feed in Marxism? Well, obviously, if you want the government to be god to be in charge of everything you have to break up the family because the family unit can be uh teaching you know raising people up otherwise that's why i say hillary clinton came up with that book it takes a village right mm-hmm. we don't want it's not so we don't want so much the child being influenced by their family but more so by the village in other words the government uh the establishment Mm-hmm. Now, when Marx writes, he always uses the word state in, in place of what we today would just simply call the government. This is about complete government state, control. Yeah. yeah, the state would be the, the way that Marx is, Karl Marx is using that or referring to that. But anyway, I, I typically am talking about the government as well because it makes more uh, sense in our common vernacular today. But anyway, um, so 
one thing that has to happen if you're going to be able to accomplish these goals, and it's sort of a utopia without God, of course that doesn't work, but that's what they're trying to do. But like you're saying, mom and dad, when they are married, um, so no-fault divorce over the last few decades have actually really fed this thing, but when mom and dad are married, they're, they're teaching um, classic traditional values within the family. The kids are looking to their parents, and it's, it's the building block of all culture is the family. So whether or not the Marxists created the environment we're in right now and have been for the last few decades, it, or they just stumbled upon this, it's completely an aspect that helps their agenda to flourish because people are looking for help. And where do you look for help? Well, the government, whether it's the government can give me more money or create policies for a job, or but the, it's more devious than that. It's, uh, it's what's being taught in the public schools, and that's part of government. We really should not be, at this point, be calling them public schools. They're really government-run schools with an agenda. And the sooner we wake up to that, we'll understand really where the father of lies is really going after the next generation. Yeah, and we can see the state sometimes making things worse for families. Like uh, in 1965, 25% of black children were in single parent homes, 5% of white children. Then, of course, we had LBJ's Great Society and all this welfare went out. Uh, much uh, welfare or increased welfare to single mothers. And then those figures went from 25% to 50%, 50% of black children in single parent homes and 5% to 20% of white children in single parent homes. And, and now overall, uh, there's 23% of children in the U.S., are in single parent homes, and that's more than any other country. Hmm. Wow. Well, then you add on to this. Here's a whole nother area where there's actually a connection with Marxism, and most people don't understand and see this, but the LGBTQ movement. And why I'm bringing that up right now is because of what you just said. It's another thing that is radically altering the nuclear family. So now we import LGBTQ, and the idea is is to disrupt the nuclear family. In other words, to dissolve what we've always known and how we trust each other, love our parents, love our kids, love our extended families, help us to sort things out. It's amazing without the government speaking to us or going to a university or anything, how many things you can figure out when you're in a loving community of a family and you come up with values. Even non-Christians can do this, <laughs> of course. But you come up with yeah. things like honesty, like we're not going to lie to each other. There's all kinds of things that come up just from being in healthy family, healthy extended family. Well, now, again, you insert LGBTQ issues, and this is completely, again, anti-Christ, anti-Bible, anti everything that God created from the beginning. And even right here in 2021, I have been stunned to see how uh, the T and LGBTQ, how it is just massively surged forward. And we're not going to dwell a lot on that today, but just stunning to see how the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardano, again, the one who's in charge of our government schools, formerly called public schools, <laughs> and... Um, 
And he has been so challenged by various senators and people in the House of Representatives about this is going to destroy women's sports. And he is just reading from a script, and it's a Marxist script, in my opinion. And over and over and over, he gives one answer. We must give all of our children the right to compete. So he won't really head-on say, how is this going to destroy women's sports? But he continues to say this over and over. And I think, I just want to say real quickly, too, I've said this on other podcasts, he comes across as a very calm, reasonable man. But the things coming from his mouth are from the pit of hell, and we need to see what's going on right here in 2021. Stunning. Well, then we have this whole critical race theory going on. And, um, you know, uh, a few years ago, John Dawson came out with the book, Healing America's Wounds. John Dawson, who's a, a convener of YWAM, and he talked about how we can repent for our ancestors, we can bring healing and reconciliation between different groups. And there were ministry times and public times where people did these sort of things, and it was a healing sort of uh, effect. So Very pub- good. So public repentance and declaring to God our, our, our change of heart and, uh, and so forth related to uh, racism. Right, repenting racism, even of things yeah. that our ancestors did, which is biblical. That's, uh, they, I, think, I think Daniel did that, for example. And, um, but then critical race theory is not uniting. It's divisive because what happens is the whites become the oppressors and always will be and can never make enough reparation. And it's, it's just an ongoing thing. There's no, there's no end to it. It's, it's divisive. Right. So here, I'm holding up uh, a copy of the Communist Manifesto here by Karl Marx and Friedrich uh, Engels. And that's one of the themes of this book. It's the oppressed versus the oppressor. I don't think we understand, uh, often even within the church, um, that this is actually Marxist language that was brought to us. Brought to us in a, it's been there for decades, but in a much broader way um, since George Floyd's death in 2020 and all the riots that broke out. It's like, wait a second here, um, they're trying to cause some sort of revolutionary spirit to destroy all kinds of things. Now, of course, racism does need to be purged. We're not. <laughs> saying there's no problems in that area. Of course, and I've always said we've got to start in our own hearts and within the church, and we have to model this, how to do this for the rest of the country. But instead, we have a Marxist organization, Black Lives Matter, uh, leading the way. And again, we got to keep reminding ourselves, this is a an organization, a ideology that's here to remove God completely and get rid of the Bible. Um, and so uh, sometimes you kind of have to read in between the lines and look at things a little bit more carefully. But in this case, um, Black Lives Matter, Patrice Cullors, in a 2015 interview, she said that she is a, quote, trained Marxist. So um, it's not that—but the media won't—, won't uh, uh, it won't write that in the, in the newspapers and on the and so forth. So you don't hear about this, but that's actually what's going on, right? And uh, and a lot of the 
the leadership of the of the Black Lives Matter movement lean heavily towards the LGBTQ movement and even had a lot of that stuff on their website until recently. And then they scrubbed their website to make it look more politically correct or, or more acceptable to the wider audience. And so this is really you know, crept into the church pretty significantly. And um, I'm just going to quote um, an, uh, an article, article here where Lucas Miles um, is being quoted. And, and he says, I live in a red state and in a blue county, and there are probably four or five churches right around me that are flying a Marxist Black Lives Matter flag or Christian socialism symbol or a rainbow flag, and they're flying those higher than the cross. I think it says a lot about where the church in America is at right now. And so, you know, we have to be aware. I don't think a lot of Christians are even aware of what's going on here uh, in this whole area. And, and we've talked about critical race theory here on this podcast before, so we don't need to take a deep dive today. But it's you can't find a Bible verse um, in that, and it's taught been taught in the universities for roughly, roughly 20 years in this country, and, at least some universities. And this is absolutely not being uh, originating from the biblical text. It is coming out of this uh, this Marxist ideology. Yeah, it's like divide and conquer. I mean, one thing the Marxists like to do is to bring about instability, violence, protests, fights, division, because in instability, then they can they can insert their philosophy. Right. They can resurrect their. Uh, quote-unquote utopian vision um, out of the ashes. and But the, the current system has got to be taken down, which is going to be very painful. And, and actually, what you just read there in 1 Samuel 8, it ultimately leads, it leads us into slavery. You become the slave of the state, or like I said a moment ago, the government. And I think it's a little deceptive even on that topic, because we think, oh, America, the Constitution, our government, you know, we have three branches of government, so we have a balance of power. We don't have to worry about such things. I'm looking at this scenario, Dave, and I am saying, wow, three branches of government all in lockstep more and more with each other, and totalitarianism can happen within three branches of government, especially when you have the media uh, in alignment with what they're, with what they're trying to do. So, um, so anyway, uh, you know, Dave, when you just had mentioned about the chaos they try to bring so they can uh, disrupt society and build their, this new vision, um, the, uh, it is interesting to me that part of the Black Lives Matter movement is to defund the police. Even in January of 2021, 80% of blacks were polled, I mean, blacks were polled, and 80% said we need at least the current level police, if not more police. So again, if you're a, if you're like a Marxist who who's on board with some of these kinds of things, you look at this defund the police movement. You're going, wow, is that fortuitous? Because one of the last lines of defense against um, against us would be the police. So let's get rid of them. <laughs> you know, it's just like there's so many things percolating that are actually um, uh, Marxist in nature, or at least like I'm saying, will help Marxism to flourish. Right. Exactly. And we've heard about, you know, in the increased crime in Minneapolis and so on as a result of some of that. Yeah, defunding the police, yeah. Right. So not only do we have the, the disruption of the American family and really leaving so many lives in, in families in chaos, 
and also this whole situation with Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, so much more could be said on both of those topics. But moving on, we have exploding national debt, almost unthinkable even a few years ago. And, um, and yet here we are. And so, Dave, how does Marxism manifest or use national debt? Well, it's the same as we just were saying that when you have chaos, economic collapse, which will result from this, then the Marxists uh, can come in. I call it the FDR syndrome. You know, when you have this depression and economic, you know, downturn, uh, the government says, don't worry, I'm coming to the rescue. And they, and of course, FDR enacted all those programs. Some economists say that he actually uh, prolonged the depression and didn't shorten it with all that stuff. But when it happens next time with economic disaster, which could, which could be much worse than what happened in the Great Depression, uh, the government will just go on steroids, making changes and implementing programs and doing emergency measures. And, and it's in this chaotic time when people are kind of unstable and not that they can bring in all sorts of uh, these sort of socialist initiatives and people have no choice but just to, just to roll along with it. Right. And so basically chaos happens, uh, collapse economically is happening, and the government comes in as our savior and, uh, and wants to uh, say, oh, we're going to help you now. It's for your own good. And then we right. give up and freedoms and rights, and, they, and they're, they're all the more the, in the totalitarian position. But anyway, go ahead. Well, anyway, we're, we're getting closer to this, because the, I, I don't think any of us can really comprehend how much a trillion is, or how much 28.75 trillion is. Which is where uh, we're at one, now. Right, which is where we're at now. Uh, one illustration would be, let's say you have a person who has the entire national debt in $100 bills. And they're counting these bills at a rate of three per second. So very fast, right? Mm-hmm. And they, you take that person and you transport them to, back to the time of King David, 1000 BC. And that person then begins counting those bills. They still would not be done today. Wow. Okay, that puts it in perspective. I shouldn't laugh. I mean, it's like heartbreaking about where we're at. Well, I mean, there's so many things like this. And of course, visual right. illustrations see on the internet. It's massive. It's just unfathomable. And never in the history of the world has the leading ec economic power gone massively into debt with a currency that's backed by nothing. Uh, and, and the debt's going to get much worse than it is now. You, you, I'm sure you've seen the charts of the national debt, how it kind of went up and up and, up. and now it's like, you're like, like going up like a rocket. And this can easily accelerate through the increased spending we're seeing. It'll accelerate through inflation. You know, this year they increased social security payments more than they have in 40 years because of inflation. It can it can accelerate because of interest rates. Because if interest rates go up, and they've been low for a long time, but if they go up, which they will inevitably, then the government has to suddenly pay much more interest on this massive debt. And so I think the whole thing is just going to skyrocket. We're we're on a collision course with disaster. And also related to all of that, 
there's a new budget being proposed, you know, and going through the House and the Senate. Three point five trillion dollars in one annual budget. This is madness. They've lift, lifted the the debt ceiling. I mean, this this is crazy. So we're almost at thirty trillion now, and that would most likely, once you offset what actually does come in through taxes, that will most likely launch us well beyond thirty trillion. And you know that's interesting to me because I remember fifteen years ago hearing that if you or if America ever reaches 22 to 24 trillion in its national debt we are in the red zone the danger zone it's panic time well <laughs> here we are well blown past uh, 24 trillion and probably going to blow past 30 trillion as one um, economic experts said we are truly in uncharted waters nobody really knows what this means but it could our point today meaning it could and likely will uh, play very well into the hands of uh, of Marxists that need something to even further disrupt America to finally be able to to usher in that complete uh, totalitarianism. Yeah, we can end up like the Weimar Republic, which ended up being led by, they had massive inflation from their debt. And of course, that, that's when Hitler took over, who was a socialist. Remember, it's the National Socialist Party that he led, and or Zimbabwe, which ended up with another massive inflation debt uh, situation in which the communists took over. And more recently, we have the collapse of Venezuela, just a complete catastrophe, all the based same thing on in Venezuela. Exactly. Yeah. Marxist ideology. Um, it's stunning what's going on and quite actually quite frightening. Now, not only this, Dave, but um, there's something kind of disturbing that has some credible substance to it that we need to identify before we uh, turn the corner here and talk about how to respond in faith and, uh, and bring this podcast to a conclusion, but especially related to this area of what in the world is going on with our national debt and why is there actually not only no restraint, but it seems like an eagerness by, by um, certain political forces to just completely accelerate the debt. And that's, of course, not how you read about it in the news, but it that's how it appears to me. And this is what I'm getting at, is there is something called the Cloward-Piven strategy. And Richard Cloward and Francis Piven were professors at Columbia University, and they brought this forth in 1966. And what's troubling about this is not only the strategy, but let me just mention this. They, they are, if you look up, up look them up online, even something simple like, like Wikipedia or wherever, they are Marxists. Like, they're openly uh, have this ideology, but they're teaching in 1966 at a top university, Columbia University and Ivy League, one of the eight Ivy League universities in our country, and uh, very influential. And they, um, they propose this of, of causing there to be such a drain on our economic system, meaning the government debt, through welfare, that the system collapses. And um, let me just... Uh, read what Michael Reich and Janice Andrews wrote related to the Clower-Piven strategy. And it was, they are saying it's proposed to create a crisis in the current welfare system that would ultimately bring about its collapse and replace it with a system of guaranteed annual income, which is another Marxist uh, uh, ideology or um, premise. So 
here we are. Um, it, it, it may not even happen the way that Cloward Piven outlined it, but it might happen through other means that we eventually get to this, this uh, point uh, of unsustainable debt, and then we have this collapse. Yeah, we're definitely heading that way. I mean, all the massive spending and the massive uh, government handouts, it's, it's heading that direction. Yeah, so, you know, when you think about people that in some way get gover- government assistance, uh, it's always in that 40 to 50% range, which, okay, we want to help people, but we're not talking about 5 or 10% of Americans. I mean, this is crazy. Uh, so anyway, we need to look at that, look at that as well. So, okay, we looked at the family, we looked at the, the, the critical race theory and how racism is being used even in the last couple of years towards these, these uh, Marxist ends. We're looking at um, uh, the, our national debt and so forth. So Dave, if we could just take a, a brief mo- moment or two here and talk about how do you respond in faith? Like, what are we supposed to do now as Christians? And hopefully many through this podcast have been a bit awakened to what's actually going on through uh, a, a satanic offensive against our nation. Well, I think we need to calmly and lovingly speak out the, the truth in love. So can you give us a couple examples, like speak out what truth in love? Well, I mean, uh, some people I admire, you know, they, they say Texas is the buckle, the, the Bible belt, and out of Texas come some good things. And one would be Ron Paul. You know, Ron Paul, his entire career in Congress, he very much came against fiscal irresponsibility. He would, he would uh, vote against every Every uh, bill to raise the debt ceiling, he would vote against big bloated spending bills. And uh, and they even nicknamed him Dr. No, (laughs) because he came against so many of these things. But he held his ground, but yet he was graceful and not abrasive. Another one would be, of course, uh, Governor Abbott in Texas, who who has taken some bold stands. So I think we just need to stand in the truth and uh, be loving as we do it. So... You know, okay, so national debt would be an example. Okay, and people are like, where's that in the Bible? Aren't we getting off into politics and all this government stuff, blah, blah, blah? Well, actually, it is in the Bible. And exactly. in Deut- Deuteronomy chapter 28, um, God is addressing ancient Israel, and he shows in that chapter several principles, but one of them is that when your nation is in trouble— that you will find yourself in national debt. And he's speaking that to Israel, but of course, at the principal level, it, it can apply to any nation. I mean, what are you going to say? Hey, um, uh, uh, huge debt is somehow a blessing because we don't have to follow the Bible? No, God was showing a, a principle, and it's specifically there in Deuteronomy 28, verses, verse 12, I believe, and 13. And then later, uh, verse 44, God is saying the effects of the Israelites not walking with God and that they will be in great debt. So the idea is walking away from that that passage is when you're in great debt as a nation, it's not a good sign. And we could figure that out apart from the Bible, but it is in the Bible. And oh, by the way, Proverbs teaches that the borrower is slave to the lender. And that certainly has happened. 
and I believe, too, that we've just got to become so much more discerning. We've got to know the Scriptures better. We've got to be diving into the Bible and look at what's going on in the world and saying, okay, what, what, what's going on and why is it going on? The Bible will teach us that, why things are actually happening in the world. And it's either that we're moving in more righteousness or moving more into wickedness, and it'll help us sort out a whole bunch of things. And I also want to say, in terms of responding in faith as believers, we've got to start to sync up about how what's actually going on in our nation and how our nation affects the whole world and how this helps bring forth the the fourth beast of Daniel, which is basically what we're doing right now, I believe, is setting the table for the Antichrist to set step onto the, the world stage. And, and especially as you look at these these global organizations like the World Economic Forum with uh, Klaus Schwab and so many others, though, but how they all can, at least to a degree, maybe not perfectly, but to a degree, can coordinate things and then can usher in the Antichrist. I mean, we have got to respond in faith and not fear. We have to understand what's going on. Don't get blindsided in what's coming. Uh, Dave, final word. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, some people are just, uh, and we'll talk about this, uh, I believe, in a future podcast, but some people uh, are only receiving uh, the one message that's coming from the mainline news and not not doing their own research and breaking free from the box and thinking outside the box. Right. And again, as Mark Levin says, you don't hear the word Marxism through the mainstream media because most Americans would really react if they actually knew what was truly going on. Again, we have smoke and mirrors from the father of lies who uh, is trying to uh, to destroy our nation and bring us into that, uh, that, that uh, situation. So thank you, Dave. And thank you for joining us for Insights. We will be going further on this very topic on our next Insights podcast.